We so thank you for joining us at Connections Podcast. We, as educators of human connection, invite and encourage healing and facilitate personal growth through impeccable honesty, rigorous personal responsibility, and vulnerable humility. We invite everyone who's interested in gaining greater connection with oneself, others, and God to continue on your educational road to happiness and joy through our simple yet life-changing three-step curriculum. First, search our library for personal learning, podcasts, videos, and workbooks. Second, register with our classroom for familial, parental, expert, and business classes. And third, join our community for personal coaching and group practicums. Thank you again and enjoy our podcast. Hello and welcome to the Moms Who Know podcast. I'm your host, Chanel Nielsen, and I'm joined today by Jody Hildebrandt. Jody, I'm so excited. Thank you for being on the show. You bet. Thanks for asking me. Yeah, I am really excited about today's conversation. And if you guys don't know Jody yet, you are in for a big treat today getting to know her. So I first heard her. She came to speak in Redlands and she spoke to an audience about all kinds of things that I was just blown away by. They were things that I had sort of known, sort of known. And then when she put it in the way that she puts it just really brought it home and made it real to me and made it usable. And that's what I get really excited to share those kind of things with my audience, because the things that you taught us that day, Jody, are things that we can put into practice. And so I'm excited to have this conversation, conversation and to share this with people. So to start, let me tell you a little bit about Jody, and then I'll turn it over to her and she can fill us in on some more details. Jody is a licensed professional counselor. She is a podcaster. She's a mother. She's a course creator and the author of 15 books, and she is focused on teaching connection through living true principles. So Jody, tell us a little bit more about you. Well, thank you, Chanel. And um, what I'd, I'd want your audience to understand is that I am very um, excited and have so much energy to teach people how to connect. And so when you're talking about <clears throat> the principles that we can use on a daily basis. When somebody comes to a podcast or somebody comes to one of my workshops, they walk away with principles of truth that they can then start using immediately in their lives. So my focus is to educate anyone who is willing. And my target audience is the world. Teach people how to connect because every single person wants and desires to connect, especially with people that they love. And they just don't know how to do it. And so we try desperately and we walk away oftentimes thinking, God, that didn't go right. Or I feel weird or I don't feel like they understood me or I think they're judging me. And we just walk away not feeling really connected or feeling safe with the person. And so that is my desire. That is my my goal as far as helping people understand the principles of connection and then learning how to actually apply those in their life. I love that. It's something that we all need and we all 
feel it. Even if we don't know that we need it, sometimes we feel it when there's a lack and we, we might not be able to articulate why, but we feel that lack. And so I think that connection is something that we can all resonate with because we all say, yes, of course we want deeper connection. That is something we all want. So to start with, I want to talk about a concept I heard you talk about that night, and that is shame and guilt. So let's talk about the difference between the two. I think sometimes we use them interchangeably. So teach us about shame versus guilt. Very true. So those two words are used oftentimes as synonyms, and they are actually 180 degrees away from each other. So let me put shame and guilt in the context of connection. When I am able to feel remorse slash guilt slash regret for the things that I have done, then I feel connected. Juxtapose that with when I feel emotion or bad for who I feel that I am, that is shame. So the difference between those two is that guilt critiques our behaviors. Guilt says, I've done wrong. I've made a mistake. I've erred. I've offended. I've harmed. It's all about critiquing behaviors of the human family. In comparison to what shame says is, I am a mistake. I am wrong. I am bad. And so it critiques the soul of the person. It attacks the soul of the person. And it creates this belief and then this horrific feeling that there's no way to change, that I'm stuck, that I'm trapped, that I cannot be any different than I already am. And the person feels depressed and alone and isolated with no way to come out of that corner. Whereas with guilt, guilt says, I've done wrong, I've erred, and I can make a difference. I can change. I can repent, if you will. I can clean something up. I can go and apologize. And so that is the drastic difference between those two. They are not the same. Uh, remorse is a place where you feel like you can move and you can become different than who you are today. And shame is a place where you feel stuck and isolated and trapped. And quite frankly, this is where people start becoming, uh, they, they have thoughts and feelings of suicide because they get so stuck in this place of shame that they feel like there's no way out. And so they just kind of give up. I can see how that would lead to that, though, because like you're saying, you feel so trapped and so stuck where the, the words you're using to explain guilt are hopeful words. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why it's very important that we understand. And so thank you again for having me come today and, and speak to your listeners. If we do not understand that there's a difference between those two feelings of bad, quote unquote, the feelings that drive the emotion of bad when guilt is connected to the feelings of bad are drastically different than how the feelings of bad feel when you're in shame. And there's another word to describe shame, and that is distortion, which I know we're going to talk about here in a minute. Yes. Can you kind of give us an example? So for people who are like a practical example of what shame would look like versus what guilt would look like. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so for example, let's say that I, um, let's say I, I open somebody's door 
Okay. Um, I, I have this happen quite a bit. I have a practice and, uh, in my therapy practice, I just have a sign on my door and people who are new who come into my therapy practice, they will either just open my door thinking that it's opening into a waiting room, but really it opens right into my office. And you will see the look of shame come over their face when they open the door and they see that I'm sitting in there with another client. They go, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And they, they, their face just drops. And the truth is, is that they have made a mistake. It was like, whoops, I made a mistake. I did not know. And that would be an appropriate time to feel remorse or, uh, you know, like unfortunateness and maybe even guilt uh, versus feeling shame. Uh, shame says, I'm stupid. I'm dumb. I should have known better. What's wrong with me? I look like an idiot. That is the aggressive nature of shame. And so you can never come back from that because if you are stupid, horrible, terrible, dumb, you can't change that. It's just something that you feel like you are. Whereas if you make a mistake, you can say that was uh, a human error and I have permission to make errors. Whereas shame says you are a mistake. So that's kind of just like a garden variety one. And, and you could have all sorts of different examples of whether you've made a mistake or whether you've actually done something that you think was inappropriate. Let's say that I, um, uh, let's say that I have a neighbor and the neighbor's dog just barks incessantly. And one day the dog comes over into my yard and I get really, really upset. And so I just kick the dog and my neighbor sees that I kicked their dog. And so I've done something that is not really something that I believe is appropriate. And so instead of feeling bad about making a choice that was contra to what I believe in and feeling guilt or remorse, I go into this place of shame and tell myself that I'm a bad neighbor and they're never going to like me and that I deserve for them to be upset. And um, they have every right to say mean things about me. I go into this place of shame slash distortion. And it's very difficult to come out of that place of shame because it, it is this, this um, posture that I pick up that says, even though I did something wrong, it means I am wrong and I am bad. So very dangerous, destructive. And you can see how that kind of thinking when I go into shame, if I stay in that space, you can see how eventually I want to just give up and quit. And why, you know, people uh, who feel actively suicidal uh, get to that spot because they stay in this place of distortion slash shame for months and months, if not years and years. And then at some point they just say, I'm done. Yeah, it makes sense. And as I'm hearing you describe the difference here between shame and guilt, tell me if I'm on the right track. It sort of sounds like shame. And, and you mentioned getting trapped and getting stuck, but it, it leads on to other thoughts. So with guilt, where you can say, darn it, that was stupid. Why did I, you know, I, I kicked the dog and that was a dumb thing to do. And then with shame, instead of just taking that experience and moving on, you're continuing that thought, that cycle of I'm so stupid. I did, you know, I, I am an idiot. My neighbor saw me and you continue on. Does that have anything to do with this and with distortion, that part process of carrying it on? Absolutely. So what I, I share with people as I'm educating them, as I teach them that when you go into shame, shame's whole focus is to keep giving you quote unquote evidence evidence that you really are bad, 
that you are unworthy, that you are not enough. That's the whole focus of what shame does. So when you say it continues on, it does. And so as I continue to uh, live my life or live, you know, during my 24 hours, I only see things that reinforce my shame. So not only did I kick the dog, but I was late to my uh, uh, picking up my daughter from swim practice. And then I came home and my husband was disappointed because I didn't get dinner on the table on, on time. And so these are all evidences, quote unquote, of how unworthy, how unlovable, how not enough I really am. And so, again, this is how destructive shame is. You can't get away from it because it keeps speaking to you and saying, you see this, you did this and you did this. And when you do these things, it means you are bad and unworthy and dumb and insignificant and not enough. And let me just say one thing about uh, that as well. And I know we're going to talk about distortion, which is connected to shame. Shame also shows up as very arrogant. So it can show up as I'm bad and unworthy and no good. And it can also show up as I'm better than I deserve. I get everything right. I'm special. I'm unique. Um, I deserve to uh, do whatever I want to do. I don't have to follow the rules. And so you can see those contrasting presentations. Both of them are being driven by shame. And shame means uh, that it's a lie. It's not in the reality. And so a lot of people get confused when they see somebody show up really arrogant and cocky. And it's like, well, what is that? <laughs> Surely those people don't feel less than or no good. And the truth is, is that that presentation of arrogance is a big cover for how afraid they feel that they are unworthy and, and bad and no good. And so both of them are presentations in this place of what I call distortion, which is dishonesty. And it violates the reality, the truth of who they really are. The truth is, is that they um, are human and that they are vulnerable to make mistakes and that they do make mistakes. And because of that humanness, they need to ask for help because they can't do things all by themselves. But distortion slash shame does not allow them to be human. It says, if you do this, then it means this about you. And that is the danger of shame. And that is why it is so important that we're all educated to really understand what responsibility is. Because if I don't know what I'm responsible for, then my distortion slash shame just keeps telling me, oh, you were late to pick up your daughter. That means you're a bad mom. Oh, you got the, the cereal that your son says he doesn't like. That means you don't care about your son. Oh, you burnt the eggs this morning. That means that you're a horrible cook. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. You hear hundreds of shame messages during the day. If you don't know how to one, recognize them and two, reframe them back into what I call truth by taking responsibility for what the reality really is. That's so powerful because we can all have the, that spiral and it starts to happen and we get into distortion. So distortion, you, you just defined as being dishonesty and part of the shame cycle. Is there more to distortion that we should know about? Uh, yeah. So distortion is a word that I pulled out of the vernacular to describe what shame actually is. So shame and distortion um, are the same as far as how it acts out. But what I noticed is as I was teaching people about shame, 
people were having a very difficult time grabbing onto that word, like, what does shame mean again? And I just spent some time thinking about like, what is shame? Well, shame is a distortion from the truth, distortion from reality. So what is truth? Truth is anything that is factual, anything that is concrete, anything that is observe, observable by a third party, things that are objective, things that are everlasting, things that are eternal. That's what truth is. And truth and reality are synonymous with each other. And so instead of calling it shame, I call it distortion. Because when you hear the word distortion, you think distorting the truth. So what's the truth about you and I, Chanel? The truth is, is that we are human beings on the planet and that we as human beings make mistakes. Distortion says, slash shame says, you can't make mistakes. And if you make mistakes, then you are a mistake. Truth says, because you're human, you will make mistakes. And when you make mistakes, you can correct your mistakes. Truth and reality say, when you make a mistake, you can feel regret, guilt, remorse, and apologize and clean it up and start again and have a new start. Distortion slash shame says, no, you can't. When you make a mistake, game over, you're done, you're bad, you're unworthy, don't tell anyone, keep it a secret, because if somebody finds out, they will never love you. So they are such, such polarized positions. And we as human beings, because many of us do not understand that this lie that we hear on a daily basis, everybody on the planet hears distortion slash shame. You know, from the second you get up in the morning and you start getting dressed and you're in the closet and shame says, you know, you gain some weight, you're really fat or you're not desirable or you're starting to get wrinkles and your husband or your wife is not attractive to you anymore. Or my goodness, your feet have gotten so wide. It just attacks you. It attacks your physical body. It attacks your relationships. It attacks how you think about yourself. It is a, it is a very aggressive assault on you as a human being. Whereas truth slash reality is about you being willing to go through your day and accept the experiences that are happening and accept that you're vulnerable and accept that you have weakness and accept that you're going to make mistakes and accept that you need help and accept that you can apologize and you can clean things up and accept that you're going to be sad and accept that you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> and so just to be willing to accept that you're going to have experiences during the day, some of them are going to be sad or, or uncomfortable and others are going to be really pleasant. But if you're willing to stay in the truth and every time distortion slash shame comes over and says, oh, you did this, it means that you're bad and unworthy. You say, no, there's no truth to that. If you can understand that that's how you're being attacked, then in the second that shame says or distortion says, you know what? That was a really stupid decision you just made. You shouldn't have done that. Those people are going to think that you're really dumb now, right? I mean, we all hear this. Yes. Um, you know, the second that happens, you can say, stop. Say your name, Jody, stop. There's no truth to that. The truth is, is that I made a choice and that was a choice that I felt was the best choice to be made. It doesn't mean it's right or wrong. It's just was my, my perception. And I decided to make the decision and we'll see how it plays out. 
then you have the power to combat shame and actually champion shame and distortion. Because when you speak the truth and you stay in reality, distortion slash shame has no power and it runs away. And that is really the, the truth. It has no power over you. And so my goal as an educator and probably your goal as well as a podcaster is to teach principles of truth so that people can feel like they have some kind of skill set. So when they wake up in the morning, they can go throughout their day and combat things that are not in truth. So by the time they go to bed, they go to bed in peace and they go to bed in a place of surrender. Like that one's not my responsibility to let it go. Instead of thinking, Gal, another day where I just screwed things up. Super powerful. So powerful. You know what I find just fascinating as I'm listening to you talk, whenever you use these words that describe shame, I can feel, I can feel the heaviness of that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because I mean, well, it is heavy, but also because I recognize it. I recognize those shame thoughts from having had them and we've all had them. And so I feel what that feels like. And then when you start talking about reality and truth, it's like that weight starts to lift off. And if we can put that into practice, when, like you said, we can say, stop stop. That's not reality. And we can call ourselves out on those thoughts. We can lift that weight. And that is powerful because we don't have to live with that all the time. Right. And it's instant, Chanel. It is absolutely instantaneously. When I hear distortion come into my head, which it, it happens every single day, um, I will say to myself, I'll either laugh and go, I don't think so. <laughs> and, and I'll, you know, now my distortion knows it doesn't have any chance with me because I just go get out. There's no truth to that. Um, but sometimes I'm really vulnerable. Like, let's say that I, I just took a, a test and I didn't feel really uh, prepared for it. So I feel vulnerable and I get a grade that I'm not really happy with. So I can take that experience and hold it in distortion and say, you know, this is going to follow me the rest of my life. And this is evidence of how smart I am. And um, I'm, I'm just not very uh, capable at this subject. I mean, I can go into that. Or I can say, you know what, Jody, you didn't put a lot of time into this. And you were kind of entitled and you felt like you could just walk in there and take it. And here's the evidence that you really needed to study. And so humble yourself and uh, prepare for it next time. Very different language that you're talking to yourself. The one that's in truth will allow you to feel at peace. Even though you're holding yourself accountable, you're being responsible for what I chose to do versus distortion slash shame that says, here's the evidence of how dumb you are. Or Chanel, here's the other side. This, this, uh, what I called adulating side is I will take the test. I won't do well. And instead of saying I'm dumb, I'll say the professor was unreasonable or they shouldn't <laughs> yeah. have made the test that hard, or those were unreasonable questions to be asking me. That's the other side of distortion. There's two different presentations. One I call self-denigrating, which is the I'm terrible, horrible, bad, no good, not enough. The other side is this self-adulating that I was describing that says I'm better than, I deserve, I get everything right, um, I'm the judge and the jury, uh, I'm unique. So both, both um, uh, uh, ends of the spectrum are lies. And the truth is, is that I'm responsible for three things. Very important. 
I am responsible for my perceptions, my emotions, because my emotions come from how I perceive. And then I'm responsible for my choices to behave my perceptions and my feelings. Those are the three things I'm, t- I'm responsible for. So when I, when I choose not to study for a test and I go in with kind of an arrogant, entitled, cocky attitude, like I don't need to study, I'm, I'm good. And then my grade reflects that I really did need to study. And I go into this place of, you know, that wasn't fair. That test was unreasonable. The people who gave it to me were, were not being um, uh, uh, thoughtful about, uh, you know, the, the, my ability or something. I try to blame them for my test score. Staying in truth would say, no, Jody, that's not true. The truth is, is that you did not study and you were not prepared. And so just be responsible for that. And the next time, prepare yourself. That's when you'll feel peace is when you tell yourself the truth. If you allow yourself to go into distortion, you'll feel very entitled, but you won't have peace. You'll actually feel anxiety and you might even feel depression. Anxiety gets felt a lot when people go into adulating and depression gets felt a lot when people go into denigrating. It's unbelievable how those two positions create those outcomes of anxiety and depression. That's what I've noticed in much of my, of my practice. That is so interesting. All of this is just so great. And so, uh, you know, useful for us as humans, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about how it's useful for us as moms. And I know it is because I've, I've put this into practice, uh, with my own children, but can you talk a little bit about either ways that you've used this with children or ways that we can, that, that we can teach our children and that how it will make a difference in our families? Sure, sure. So when I think of children, I think of, you know, birth to 18. So uh, it it spans the whole spectrum. Uh, I actually have a a parenting class where I teach these principles um, in a, a curriculum setting. And what I tell parents is that Children, um, the thing that empowers children is for them to learn that they are the, the locus of control, like they are responsible for everything that they perceive. And so I, I hit those points over and over and over and over again, because as they go out and interact with their world, the thing that's constant is them. And so teaching your children that whatever they interact with they are going to give it meaning. They're going to perceive something about it. They're going to say, I like this. I don't like that. They're going to think that's good. And that's bad. They're going to say that's better. And that's worse. They're going to put meaning onto their world. And so helping them understand that they are responsible for the meaning that they place onto um, inanimate objects, the meaning they place onto themselves, the meaning they place onto their friends and their relationships, their uh, schoolwork. I mean, everything in their world, they are putting meaning onto. And so from that position of placing meaning, or another way to say that is to give a perception about their experiences, they will have corresponding emotion that will come with that meaning. And so to help them understand that the reason they're feeling the way that they're feeling is because they put meaning onto the experience that they've had. They've put some kind of perception. So if I'm looking at, let's say, the color orange and, you know, my my sibling says, 
Orange is a stupid color. That's the meaning that my sibling places on the color orange. I'm not quite sure what stupid color means, but that's what they said. <laughs> and so from that position, the, my sibling feels, you know, kind of entitled or right or justified those feelings. And so I think, oh my goodness, well, I like the color orange. And so what am I going to perceive under the color orange? And so I say, well, I like the color orange. And my sibling says, well, you're wrong. Can you see where the distortion is happening? Because myself and my sibling have two different perceptions around this experience with this color. And my sibling saying they're right. And they're also saying I'm wrong. And that is where the distortion starts because we each get to have our own perception. It's not about right or wrong. And so you as a parent are going to go to the sibling who's saying, well, you're wrong and teach them about responsibility. So what I just shared with you, Chanel, is you're going to teach them that you are a responsible child for three things, the way that you perceive, the way that you feel, and the way that you choose to manifest the way that you perceive and the way that you feel. So are you responsible for your sibling who thinks the color orange is nice? No, you're not. You're only responsible for you. So you need to recognize that what they think and what they perceive is none of your business. So you're teaching them that, that they are responsible. They're like this little container and they're responsible for themselves. The second thing they're responsible for is to be honest with themselves, to be emotionally honest and talk about how they feel and why they feel the way that they do. And this is really difficult for kids. Because a lot of times they think that the reason that they feel the way they do is because somebody did something to them. And your job as a parent is to teach them that, that yes, so-and-so said that the color orange is stupid, but they're not making you sad because they said that. You are choosing to feel sad. You are choosing to perceive that you liking orange is wrong or is not right or is bad. And it's not, it's just a different perception. And so as you teach your children how to be responsible for those three areas, as you teach them to be emotionally honest for themselves and their own perceptions, and their own feelings, and then overall, you teach them to be humble. Humble means that they're open, that they're teachable, that they're willing, that you can, you know, that they're pliable that you can invite new information into their little systems and they're willing to accept it. As kids learn to live like that, they can manage the distortion that comes at them because they're going to hear distortion from their own head. They're going to hear distortion come from other people, i.e. the sibling that says, well, you're wrong. And they're going to hear distortion just out in the world, you know, like, a distortion out in the world would be um, skinny is beautiful, right? That's a distortion that we hear. Skinny is beautiful. Right. Um, or, um, you know, if you're tall, then um, you're more athletic. <laughs> I mean, just these statements that are just ridiculous. Um, <clears throat> and so teaching your kids about distortion so they understand that it's real and that they hear it. And then teaching them how to combat it by teaching them how to stay in truth by being responsible, emotionally honest, and humble. Those are the things, I mean, just in a crash course, I would just 
insist that parents learn how to do. Yeah, those things are huge. And one thing that I want to point out that you said that I feel like we don't hear a lot is you're saying that our thoughts. So, okay, we have those perceptions first and our emotions come after that as a result of our perceptions. Yes. Would you agree? And I think that that's important because we think... I don't know. It seems like there is a pervasive thought out there, right? That, well, our emotions just come and we can't control them. And yet if we have this added piece and we're saying it's due to how I'm perceiving the situation, then that puts us like you were saying with children, but it's, it's true for all of us. It gives us this sense of, oh, well then I can be responsible for this and I can change how I perceive. And I have some control and some choice instead of just, oh, well, I have this emotion acting on me and that's just how it is. Right. That's exactly right. And as you were talking, you can hear the distortion in what you just said, like, this is happening to me. That is not the truth. That is not the truth. Nothing just happens to you. We all have experience to be sure, to be sure. Uh, Experience, I, I, I think of it like it presents on our doorstep. And then we, through the power of choice, perceive whatever we choose to perceive. So for example, um, if, if I'm, uh, I went and did a lot of travel uh, in, in the Middle East uh, over the summer and I was in Egypt and it was a very different culture over there. And I could have been quote unquote offended many times by how uh, I was looked at or, or treated or, um, you know, it was a very male dominated culture that I was in. I saw very few women and the women that I did see were all veiled. Um, and I wasn't, I was out in shorts and completely, you know, my, my face was uncovered and I received a lot of, um, comments slash looks that said, you know, I was different, put it that way. Okay. <laughs> and I could have gone into distortion around that. I could have said, oh my gosh, I'm bad. I shouldn't be, um, you know, walking around like this. It's very disrespectful to them. Um, and that things were just happening to me. This, these things were just happening and they weren't. I was in a different culture and I got to choose how I perceived the culture. And mm-hmm. I chose to perceive it as, you know, I think differently than you. And I can respect what you think. And I'm going to invite you to respect what I think. And I don't know if they did or not, but, and I can feel safe and I can enjoy what I'm experiencing and not take offense at what's going on around me. It was all about me perceiving inside my uh, willingness to choose reality. Like, how am I going to see this? How am I going to interpret this? And To me, I cannot think of anything that's more empowering for a human being than to realize that through this beautiful gift of choice, that I can perceive any way I choose and therefore have emotions that correspond with that perception. It's just, there's no greater power in the world than that. Yes, that is so empowering. Oh, that is a perfect conclusion. I, I love it so much. And I think that that's that's the thing we can perceive any way we choose. That's so good. I, we are out of time, but I want to just share with you really quick before we go, Jody, uh, 
an example of how I put this into practice with my son, um, just briefly, he and his brother, he was being mean to his brother is what he was doing. He was beating on him and you know, boy stuff. Anyway, so he felt bad and he was in his room and he was really upset. And I went in there and he was crying and he said, I'm such a bad brother. I'm Mm -hmm. so mean. And I, I heard it. I heard the distortion. I heard the shame because I had had that training with you. And I said, you know what? You made a bad choice and you weren't treating your brother very kind, but that's not who you are you're a good boy. You're a child of Mm -hmm. God. And he, it just, it was like a light bulb and he Mm -hmm. went out and I didn't tell him, Oh, you need to go out there and you need to make things better. But he did. He knew what he needed to do. He went and did it because he then felt that hope. And I think that Mm -hmm. that's what this conversation gives us is that hope and that ability to change on a daily basis and to keep moving forward. So thank you so much, Jody, for the work that you're doing and the way that it can help us all to connect and to be better. You bet. What a great example. And good for you, mom, to invite him back into truth without him even knowing what you were doing, but you saw it. You saw the dangers of that disconnect of that distortion and said, here's the truth, kiddo. Yeah. (laughs) And that's the power. If we can see it. Yeah, absolutely. You helped him see that his behaviors were inappropriate and that did not mean that he was bad. And he, he snapped right back into connection. That's wonderful. Yes. I love it. Well, moms, that is the goal, right? That we can go out there and we can help our kids and we can get out of shame and distortion and live in truth. So thank you all for listening. Thank you, Jody, for being here. And we'll see you next week on Moms Who Know. We so appreciate you and your support in spreading this crucial message to your family, your friends, and your coworkers. Your greatest compliment to us would be for you to refer your loved ones to the podcast and classes at connectionsclassroom.com. Please go on to YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram and follow us for continual education, motivation, and truth. Stay connected, my friends.